don't know about you, but I, I don't know if I need to say anything today. Thank you, Rhonda. What a beautiful picture of the blessed hope that we all have as, as God's children. What a blessed future that we have because we are God's children. Whew, that music touches. <laughs> I want to ask my good friend, my good Zim friend, if she would open us up in prayer. Delinda. Yes. Uh, we'll be in First Thessalonians if you would like to turn there. First Thessalonians four, and we'll begin with chapter thirteen. The title of the message is "The Blessed Hope." Hmm, I wonder what that is. We think of hope today as something that maybe will happen. I sure wish it happens. Maybe it could happen. And there's always a question mark when you look at, think of the word hope. But I'm here to tell you today that biblical hope is different than earthly hope. Biblical hope says, I have an unwavering, confident assurance. I know without beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will do exactly what God has promised to do. That is blessed hope. Whatever God has promised, whatever God has said, and we've looked at that for three weeks now coming from His Word. Whatever He has said, He will bring it to pass. Blessed hope. The blessed hope that we're going to speak about today is the rapture. The rapture. When Holy God sends His Son, Jesus, to come and get us. Many of you know these passages here. But I want to just remind you of what good is out there just waiting for us. In Genesis 5.24, it says, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch was living the dream. Enoch was out with his family and friends. Enoch was out working and doing whatever he wanted to do. Enoch was out serving the Lord. And the Bible says all of a sudden, God took him. God took him. He was no longer to be found. He disappeared from this old earth. Nobody really knew what happened to him. He was living life and bang, all of a sudden he is, he is gone. That is an Old Testament picture of the rapture that one day will happen for all Christians. One day, if we're still alive, we'll be here today, gone tomorrow, in a twinkling of an eye. The Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians 15, 54, says it this way, and I kind of read this this morning. It says, this perishable, our bodies, will put on the imperishable, our heavenly body. And the mortal, our bodies, will put on the immortality, our heavenly bodies. One day, one day... 
If we have been born again, we will just be like Enoch, disappeared out of this old world, never to be seen again in this old world. Today I want to look at that, the rapture, and what it means. I hope the rapture, when you hear those words of the rapture, I hope it does not bring stress to you. I hope it doesn't bring anxiety to you. Because you see, for the born-again Christian, that will be the greatest event outside of your salvation that will ever happen when the Lord comes back to get you. Don't be anxious. Don't be, oh, man, I hope it doesn't happen. Because he just talks, we just sang about that, did we not? How beautiful heaven must be. He's got a great gift, a great inheritance for us. One day is coming down the road. And if we're alive in a, right now, in a moment, we won't be. We'll be with the Lord. What a great promise that seems to be. I think there's sometimes there's some uh, uh, questions about the second coming of Christ. You know, we, I mentioned it last week that Christ is coming back again. And, and, and we talk about this second coming. And, and, and I think there's always some confusion about the second coming. And I would just like to share with you that the, that the second coming is really, uh, really kind of like a, a play at the uh, Clinton Playhouse. Okay? There will be two acts, and between those two acts, there will be an intermission. Okay? If you can think of it that way. Christ is coming back. The first act, the first phase of, of Him coming back, or the second coming, will be the rapture. When He comes to collect all of His believers. All those that are, that are dead in Christ, all those who are alive in Christ, He's going to come back and get us. That is the first act, the first phase of that play, if you would. Seven years of tribulation will happen. That's the intermission. And then the second part of the second coming is when He comes back. The first time he comes back in, in, uh, uh, in the rapture, he's coming back with mercy and with grace to collect his children. The second time he comes back at the end of the tribulation, he's coming back with wrath and vengeance to settle the sinfulness of humanity once and for all. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. I hope, uh, hope you find something that you don't know, and that will be the plan that, that we have. We don't know when the, when the rapture is going to take place, do we? I mean, he's never given us a time. He's never given us a date. We don't know when that's going to happen. But he has left with us some clues, some breadcrumbs, if you will, that will uh, kind of point us to when possibly this is going to happen. I believe that these verses that we're going to look at today, I believe that the rapture will take place before the tribulation. I, th- I, I am a pre-tribber, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute with these verses that tell us, I believe, that Christ is coming back before that dreaded day of tribulation. I think the first thing that we can see here, and I think he's got that on the board, is the Lord has promised to deliver us from the day of wrath. He has promised to deliver us. Revelation 3.10 says this. It says, Because you have kept the word of my perseverance... I will also keep you from the hour of testing, tribulation. That, which, that, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I believe Jesus has promised that you and I as born again believers will not have to go through the wrath of the tribulation. The second thing I see there that he'll put up there, the church is to be delivered from the wrath of the tribulation. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says this. 
and to wait for His Son from heaven. That's what we're doing. We're waiting for Him now who was raised from the dead. Yes, He was. That this Jesus who rescues us, the church, from the, well, from the wrath to come. I believe He's going to rescue the church from the tribulation. Third, thank you. Third thing, it says Christians are not appointed for wrath. Are not appointed for wrath. First Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath. He has not destined us for tribulation, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1 says, Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I mean, if I was going to pick a verse that says this is pre-trib, that the rapture is coming before tribulation, that's the one I would pick right there. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because when tribulation comes, there is condemnation. There is wrath to come. It will be a very unpleasant time. I believe we will not be there. And then the fourth thing I want you to do that, that would maybe prove to you, like it has proven to me, that the church is absent. In Revelation chapter 4 through Revelation chapter 18. For those chapters in Revelation, the church is never mentioned. It's mentioned 17 times in the first three chapters of Revelation. But in those verses that's talking about tribulation, talking about the end time and and how hard that's going to be, the church is never mentioned in those verses, which tells me that I do not believe that as Christians we will be there. Let's look at verse 13 of chapter 4. Let's get started here. It says in verse 13, But we do not want you to be misinformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that they will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. You see, the people of Thessalonica, they were wanting to know, what happens to those believers in our church and other churches when they die, what happens to them? Do they just go to the grave and there they are? And, and is that all there is? I mean, is that just it? You're, you're sitting in, you're laying in a tomb right there and, and that's all there is? And they were wondering what, what happens to, to, to the body and the soul after that. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you there's a lot of folks in this world that are wondering the same thing. What happens? Is, is this it? Surely there's got to be more than it. And Paul said, yeah. He said, I want to inform you. I want to let you know what's going to happen. I want you to know. And that's my message to you today. I want to inform you. I want to make sure you understand what this rapture is, what this blessed hope is coming down the road. I want you to know that. Paul wanted his church to know it. I want you to know it. And we read there, it says, uh, I want you to know to be un- not be uninformed, brethren. When we see the word brethren, that who's that talking about? That's talking about Christians. Paul's writing to the Christians of that church. When you see the word brethren in the, in the New Testament, that's who he's talking about. Born again, truly born again believers. So that's what he's addressing. And in the next five verses, he's talking to born again believers. Okay, don't forget that. He's talking to born again, truly born again believers. And it says um, about those who are asleep so they will not grieve as to the rest who have no hope. Those who are asleep. When a person dies, are they just sleeping? Are they semi-conscious? Are they just 
What's he doing here? He uses the word sleep, I believe, as just a softer term of saying these folks have departed and they are dead. I mean, just think about it in your own mind, very, very common sense-wise. I mean, when you go to sleep, what happens? I know at 6 o'clock this morning, I woke up. <laughs> okay? The alarm went off, get out of bed, go do your thing. And I think Paul is telling us that's what, the, what will happen to the believer. They will be asleep. They will be dead. They have departed. But one day, they will be awakened. One day, they will come out of that tomb. One day, they will meet the Lord in the air. So that we will not grieve as to the rest who have no hope. Paul's telling folks, man, said, just think about this. You as believers do not have to grieve over the loss of a loved one. Let me rephrase that. You don't have to have excessive grief. Sure we do. We lose a loved one. What happens? Yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, we grieve. But Paul is trying to tell these folks, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to grieve as if you have no hope. He said, man, you've got, you have got a hope. You've got a hope out there that one day you will meet with them again. You have a hope that one day that, that, that you have a future and a bright future in heaven. He said, you don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. Who are those that have no hope? These are folks that are unbelievers, that have rejected Christ in their life. There are folks that said, I don't need God in my life. I'm going to just do my own thing. I can handle my own business. And the Bible says, those folks have no hope. They have no hope of eternal salvation. They have no hope, no promise that they'll ever see their loved ones again. That when those loved ones who are not believers have died, there is no hope. And Paul says, I don't want you to be that way. I don't want you to feel that way. I want you to understand that, that, yeah, you'll grieve, but you don't have to grieve because there is a blessed hope out there that one day, one day, you be, will be reunited. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the key for the rapture. There's a reason why many times, and you probably don't know this catch it but when I talk about salvation and I talk about believers I almost always use the phrase truly born again truly born again because there's a lot of folks in this whole world today that think they've been born again that think they believe that Jesus died, or they think they have received something from somewhere and that they are right with the Lord. And the Bible says when, when that day comes, Jesus will say, I never knew you, depart from me. You see, I've got to get folks to understand, you, me, everybody, that the only, only people that's going to be involved in this rapture is truly born again Believers, not not just ones that want to bees, that are true that are true followers of Jesus. Because you see, you can you can fool me, you can fool your spouse, you can fool everybody, but you know who you can't fool? You can't fool Jesus. Jesus knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your motivations. He knows he knows what's going on. He knows what you're thinking. 
the rapture is only for those who believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's what it is about. And then it says, so that even so, in verse 14, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. What a, what a beautiful passage. It says, and God will bring with him, and we'll, we'll talk about that God thing right there in just a minute. Will bring with him. We never have to worry about where our truly born again family members are. And friends. Because it just says right there, he's going to bring them back with him. Which tells me they are with him. That they are living in the very presence of holy Jesus right now. That's where they're at. You know, the Bible tells us that, that, that when we pass from this old world, God has dispatched his angels to come get us. He's dispatched his angels to come and escort us to the very presence of holy God. 2 Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 2, 5 says this, absent from the body, present with the Lord. See, we don't ever have to worry about what happens to our beloved, saved family members. They are with the Lord even as we speak. And one day it says God will bring them with him when he comes to get the rest of us. Well, you read that verse and you go, well, I thought Jesus was coming back. I thought he's the one that's going to rapture us out. It says here, so that God will bring with him. Hmm. Misprint? Uh, something wrong there? No. Jesus is God. The thing that got Jesus more in trouble on this earth than anything, when he declared himself God. He declared himself Deity. Jesus has all the power of God because he is God in human form. And God, and God in the person of Jesus Christ is the one who will split the sky open one day to come get his people. God is Jesus. Amen. You bet. Verse 15, let's see what it says here. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord. That we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For thus we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul's writing this. And he says, you know, I, I know this might sound different. I understand this might be something that you don't really understand. Paul says, you know what? This didn't come from my mentality. This didn't come from my perspective. This didn't come from some vision I had one night, and I thought, oh, this sounds pretty good. Where did Paul get this information that he's going to tell us about the rapture? Well, we talked about it last week. All Scripture is inspired by God. You see, the things that he is, Paul is telling his church there, and the things I'm telling you here today, these are not my words. These are not Paul's words. These are words from the Lord. This whole book is inspired, is it not? By the Holy Spirit. I'm going to believe every word of this book. So that's what Paul's trying to tell him. This is from the Lord. And he says, this is what's going to happen, basically. What will happen? That we who are alive and remain, okay, 
until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. There's the order of, rep, of the rapture, is it not? First, those who are asleep, and then those who are alive. There's the order. And then we see the great event in, chapter, in verse 16. Unbelievable. The event that I hope every Christian is looking forward to. That we long for this to happen. To get us out of this old world. To get us out of what we're dealing with today. So that we'll be face to face with holy Jesus. Look what it says here. It says in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Jesus is going to descend from heaven. The Savior of the world will come through the pearly gates, if you would. He's leaving heaven again, and he's going to come back, and he's going to meet us in the sky. What a, what a blessed event that's going to be. What a, I, I can just hear God saying, son, get ready. Son, get ready. It's coming. I'm ready. I'm just about ready for you to go get, get your people, get your followers, get your disciples. And one day, the Bible says, the Lord will leave his throne in heaven, and he will descend into the sky where we will meet with him to be with him forever and forever. And he said, we will descend with a shout. I got to thinking about that shout. <laughs> Can you imagine how loud that shout's going to be? I mean, this is God shouting from the heavens. And I don't know what the shout will be, but I, I kind of think I have a clue, maybe. I think he's going to say, children, come forth. Because you see, John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they know me. And this great shout that's going to come out of heaven, that's going to rattle, rattle the world. Guess what? Only, only Christians will hear that shout. Only the believers will hear that shout. The unbelievers will not hear God shouting. It's kind of like Lazarus when Lazarus is in that tomb and Jesus comes up to him and comes up to that tomb and, and what does he say? He says, Lazarus, come forth. There wasn't nobody else and the rest of the graves around him came forward, did they? That's why I think someday he's going to say, my sheep, my children, come forth. And I think that's going to be the shout that God will have that will reverberate around the universe. And then it says, with the voice of the archangel, the archangel Gabriel will, will have a voice in this. And I think, I think when Gabriel gets ready and God tells Abraham, let's go, you've got to go shout what he's doing. He is going to be rattling up all the heavenly hosts. And he's going to say, Jesus is fixing to go back and get his people, heavenly hosts. And you, we need to praise him for this great resurrection that's fixing to happen. Gather around, heavenly hosts. Gather around, angels. Gather around the departed. And let's have a prayer service as, as Jesus is going back to get his people. What a shout from the ark angel. And then it says, with the trumpet of God. With the trumpet of God. Do, 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 do. Trumpets are used to announce things. Trumpets are used to get people's attention. 
just like the horn back there, the sofar that we use to get your attention. That trumpet of God's going to sound. And it's going to be getting the attention of every believer. And it's going to be like, guess what, guys? The end of the end of the times is beginning. I'm rapturing my, my church family, and from this point on, it is the end of the time. Tribulation is coming. My second coming is coming. Millennium is coming, and then the great white throne judgment is coming. But it will announce, if you would, that Jesus is coming back, that he's come back, and that the end of time is coming. What an what a awesome, awesome deal. And the only people that's going to hear it is Jesus' son and us as his believers. Wow, what a great time that would be. And then it says, and the dead in Christ will raise first. The dead in Christ. Those that have passed on, the Bible says that, that those bodies of those people whose spirit is in heaven and whose bodies are in that grave. One day, the Bible says, God was going to bring those bodies back to meet with that spirit in the air. And we're going to be formed into a glorious body. Can you imagine just that awesome event that that's going to be? I mean, how many people have been cremated and they've put their ashes uh, in the ocean going everywhere? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, in a nano, nano, nano second, the Bible tells us he's going to reassemble that body. Reassemble that body. And we're going to meet him in our spirit in the air. Can you imagine he's going to be able to do that? How, does it, how can he do that? And this is for millions of people. There's nothing impossible for God. I always joke that I would never want to be cremated because I want to make sure that all my body gets there when he, when he comes back. I don't want to be missing an arm or something. And I laugh about that, and that's just a joke, but there's no truth to it either. <laughs> okay? He'll be able to assemble us back the way he wants us. And then when he assembles us back and we meet our spirit and our soul in the air, he will give us a new body, a glorified body that we're going to look at here in just a minute. Man, what a great day that will be. And the dead of Christ will rise first. And that will be bingo, bango. Then in verse 17, he says, those who are alive and remain will be caught up. Hallelujah. Those who are alive and remain will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That is that picture of Enoch. Living the dream and all of a sudden, gone. Snatched up, caught up to be with the Lord in the air. What a, what a great, great verse that is. That we one day will stand and be with Him as we meet Him in the air. And then it says, And at that point, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty three. For the corruptible must put on incorruption. And the mortal will put on immortality. What kind of body will we have at that rapture? When he takes this old body and we meet our spirit and he puts us together. He's going to give us a glorified heavenly body that's suited for heaven. Now just think about that. We'll have a body that will never age. A body that will never decay. A body that will never decompose. A body that will have no wrinkles. A body that will have all of our parts. We'll have a body that looks just like who you are in heaven. When he gives us his glorified body, I will, I will know, um, 
I will know who my mom is. I will know who my dad is. Because they will have a glorified body, but their body will look just like how they are here on this earth. I don't know how old they'll be. I don't know. That's, that's God's perfection. I don't know. But we'll be able to recognize each other. We'll have perfected eyes. We'll have perfected ears. We'll have a perfected body that God had intended for all of us to have from the very get-go. But then a little small item like sin entered into the world. Kind of messed all that up. We will have a perfect body one day. Hallelujah. What a, what a great thing that's going to be. We'll have a body that is free from the, from the consequences of sin. Because we no longer have to deal with sin. We will have a perfect body suited for a perfect heaven. So that we may be able to live with the Lord forever and forever and forever. That is something very special that he's given to us. I hope that's an encouragement to you. As we are caught up in the air to be with him. What a, what a great thing it, it is to be, we'll be caught up in the air. That our, that our truly born again loved ones will be c- catching up with Jesus in the air. And then we who are alive will be caught up in the air. What a great <laughs> reunion that's going to be. What a great thing. You'll be able to see your born-again mom and dad, your grandparents. You maybe, maybe you don't even know who they are. But we're all going to be there one day, caught up with Jesus in there. What a glorious reunion that will be. I can hardly wait. But you know what's better than being able to see mom and dad or, or little Joey or whoever it is, friends? We're going to be in the very presence of Jesus. The one who died on the cross so that you and I could be able to be there in the first place. I mean, yeah, I want to see all my family. But I guarantee you the first thing I and you are going to do, I think, it says I can only imagine what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to bow down and worship the one who gave me life so that I could live with him forever and forever. What a great reunion that's going to be when we get to see Jesus face to face. We don't have to sit, look at him and see him dimly now like it says in Corinthians 13. We will be able to see him face to face and we will be able to love on him like we've never loved on him before. And he says that's what's going to happen. <laughs> And then the last part of verse 17. Oh my. So we'll be with him forever. We'll be with him forever. Every true born again Christian man or woman will be with him forever. As he takes us to our heavenly home at that point. What a promise that is. And then in verse 18. It says therefore comfort one another. With these words. This message is not to scare anybody. <laughs> it is to bring you comfort if you've been born again. If you've never been born again, hell will scare the pee waddling poo out of you. Okay? Because you see, you won't be involved in that rapture if you've never been born again. Your rapture will come a little bit later on. 
You see, your rapture will come after the tribulation. And then there's going to be a thousand years of perfection here on this earth, the Bible tells us. And then the Bible says, then, and only then, will unbelievers be resurrected. You'll get your resurrection, yeah. And it's going to be right before what's known as a great white throne judgment. Where God will judge those who rejected him during their lifetime. The unbelievers will have their day, their resurrection. But for us as Christians, we don't have to worry about that. There's no need for great discouragement in this world. There's no need for great, have great sorrow in this world. There's no need to have a hopelessness in this world. There's no need to be ignorant of the facts. Because we have this blessed hope that one day, when we are called from this old world, that we will one day, body and soul, glorified body, will be united with Him forever and forever and forever. I love Revelation 21.4 because it gives us a great picture of, of, of the future. And it says, And there should be no more death. No more death. No more crying. No more sorrow. No more pain. For the former things are all passed away. What a blessing that will be. Can you imagine... First of all, no more death. Never having to lose a loved one and have that separation. Can you imagine no more crying? You don't have to cry anymore because of whatever. You don't have to have any more sorrow. You won't have any more, Lola won't have any more pain. I mean, her arthritis will be gone and all of us. And if you can't walk very good, you're, what a promise. What a blessed hope. The blessed hope says What? I am absolutely certain that God will do what he has said he has done. And one day there's coming a day. No more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. That's going to come. For all of us who have truly been born again. How do we respond to this message? Have you truly been born again? Have you given your heart and life to Christ? I mean, that's what, the, that's what it's for. I mean, we know the, we know the facts. We know so you, so you won't be ignorant, so you'll understand. But every one of us has got to do something with this message. Have you been born again? Are you ready for the rapture? Are you ready for Jesus to come and get you? That's, a, that's the eternal question that we all must ask ourselves. You see, we're moving towards... The rapture. I honestly believe this. That we're getting closer and closer and closer to the rapture. Why would I say that? Because if, if the rapture, and I believe it is, is before the tribulation, okay, then we're going to have a tribulation for seven years. And then he comes back a second time. You see what's going on in our world today? Cashless society will be in the tribulation. One day we won't need any dollar bills and quarters and that kind of stuff. We'll have a cashless society. Are we not moving that direction today in our society? Yeah, we are very much so. We hear today about uh, uh, one uh, globalization, they say. One world government is what that means. That we as on the earth, we, we, we just need one governing body to help regulate all the countries of the world. That'll bring peace, they say. 
one world government will be in the tribulation period. You see, we're kind of moving that way, are we not? In the tribulation period, there's going to be one world religion. There are religious leaders today, even as we speak, I won't name names, that have said we all need to come together in one big church and just kind of worship everybody together. Well, see, that's a problem. You see, but because not every church, not every religion believes that God is God. Not every church believes that God has a son who came and died on a cross for our sins. There is no way if you try to put that together, if you try to say there's God and he had a son, how can we as born-again believers ever say we just want to have one church? Because we don't worship the same God. Because there's only one God that had a son who died for your sins. Muhammad didn't do it. Allah, no. Pick one. Confucius, no. One world government will be in the tribulation. And we're moving towards that right now. We see the hatred towards Israel. Tribulation. Do we not see that today? I mean, you just look at the news or on Facebook. Yeah, this Iran, we're going to blow them up. Hatred towards Israel. We see a morality in our country that is no longer morality. People say what's good is bad and what's bad is good. That's biblical. That's what it says at the end times. That's tribulation time. Do you see we're living in those kind of days as we proceed up to the tribulation? And as the closer we get to the tribulation, I believe there's going to be a rapture. And the dead in Christ will raise first. And that us who are remain alive will be caught up in the air to be with him forever and forever. And I say that in order to encourage and to comfort you. Because that's what the Bible says we are to do. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for that blessed event? People today go, I know. It'll, it, it, I've read that. I've heard that, Don. I know what's going on. But it hadn't happened in, in thousands of years. And it probably won't happen in my lifetime. I've heard the argument. Okay, that's fine. But when you die and you're buried, whenever the rapture happens, will affect you. Will affect you. Don't put it off because it's never happened, because I promise you it's coming one of these days. And how do I know that? The Bible tells me so. The Bible tells me so, Ron. I hope you're looking forward to the rapture. The blessed event, the blessed hope. When you see that in your Bible, that's what it's talking about, the blessed hope. Christians, we need to be looking forward to that time. Don't let it scare you. Don't put anxiety in you. Don't get butterflies in your stomach. Because it is a promise that God has given to us. What a glorious promise that will be when we get to see Jesus face to face. For the unbeliever, you need to become a believer. <laughs> I just make it simple. You need to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. If you've got a question about your salvation, you got a question about the rapture, you got a question about anything, you can come talk. We'll visit. As we bow our heads and close our eyes as the piano plays, I'm going to ask you to do business with God. I'm going to ask you if the Holy Spirit has convicted you about something, if He's convicted you about sin, if He's convicted you about...
about your eternity, if he's convicted you about uh, the rapture, if you want to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, today would be a good day. Altars will be open. I'm here. Please do business with God right now. Rhonda.